Okay, friends, this week on the podcast, I am answering y'all's questions. So a bunch of different people call in every week and they leave me voicemails and they ask all kinds of things. And this week I am answering in real time, meaning I have not heard these before, but now having answered them, I can tell you we're talking about divorce and co-parenting, what it looks like to date again, talking about anxiety as the world opens back up and people are feeling unsure about how to process that, and also what to do when you're feeling stuck and you start to kind of spin out and obsess over every different thing. I'm really covering all kinds of topics today, and I hope that you get something out of it. Here's what y'all had to ask. Hi. I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Okay, you guys, we've got a super fun episode this week because it is all created by you. Specifically, I am answering a bunch of different questions from listeners that came into our voicemail line. So you're actually going to hear from real listeners what they're going through, what they're wondering, and then I'm going to give you my best advice on this topic. And I'll tell you that I have not heard these. So I'm going to listen to these in real time. When you hear them, I'm hearing them for the first time. And I'm just going to give thoughts on what it is, what I'm thinking, what I've done in my own life, and hopefully you will find this helpful or funny or interesting, or maybe it will encourage you to call the voicemail line and leave a question of your own. So I guess let's just start. This is sort of like in no particular order, and I don't think that these are connected. So we're probably going to go all over the place. Let's start with this one. Hi, my name is Sarah Buckley. Southern California, and I realize you guys have just gotten divorced. And this could be a question for you both, specifically as a woman, a woman in a co-parenting relationship. I probably weren't just in terms of Rachel's perspective. You know, I'm always looking for better ways to co-parent with my son's dad, and I feel like you guys, from social media, it seems like you guys are doing a really great job. But I know that you know I'm going through. You know, separation from someone you've loved is really hard, and just how did you unpack that? How do you guys navigate that? I would really be interested to, you know, see how that works. And specifically my situation, I don't think this is in yours, because it sounds like you guys have, like, moved on pretty seamlessly, but I think there's a lot of, like, leftover emotions from our relationship, and, you know, how to balance that and how to really, like, set up those boundaries with your co-parent. That's just something I'm really struggling with right now, and I would love to know what your guys' process was um, to make sure you have a really strong relationship for your kids. And overall, my relationship is okay with my co-parent. I we, we do the best we can, but I think that 
but our sun burns, which is great. But I think we, our boundaries get crossed a lot, and sometimes really struggling with how to keep those boundaries. Um, so I just love like if you guys do a podcast and what works for you guys, and maybe specifically Rachel. Like, okay, just starting off with a. <laughs> nice, easy topic, divorce and co-parenting. No, you know, I love this question because it's, it's real and it's authentic. And I don't know if I have the perfect answer, but I can certainly tell you what has worked for us and give you some really honest insight into what it has felt like. So I loved that you talked about this idea of leftover emotions and what it looks like to have boundaries. You said, you know, uh, oh, I don't think this is something you guys have dealt with because it seems like you moved on pretty quickly. No, I mean, I think there definitely have been like really big sort of highs and lows with emotion. And I think, well, first of all, if you're seeing anything, you're only seeing it from him because I have not, I very intentionally not posted on social about us, our family, and sort of what that looks like now. It feels to me too raw. It feels like not something I really want to publicly go into detail on. I wrote a book last year and I said my piece. I said, you know, I said in the book that this was all I was ever going to talk about with that and and I've I've stuck by that. I just I don't want this to sort of be fodder for social media. Yeah, uh, uh, it's a it's a really interesting thing. But everybody has their own process for dealing, and he's allowed to you know process however he wants to. So, what I would tell you is, if you've seen if it, if the perspective has been that like all is good from the very beginning, I think that that is because we made a very intentional decision that it was completely about our kids. Like everything was for them and navigating the divorce was 1000% about what was best for our kids. And enough time has gone by and enough healing has gone by that I can tell you that there were times in this process that I hated him. That's the freaking truth. And I am positive there were times in this process that he hated me, but our kids never knew that. Like we were a united front. We still had family dinners. We spent the holidays together and it was so brutal. Like, oh my God, like I could just crawl into a fetal position, how hard it was to do that. But we did. And honestly, not to say that our kids haven't had hard times or that they haven't been sad or any of it, but I think the reason that they are so well adjusted and well and, and adjusted fairly quickly was because they still saw us as a family and we were so focused on that. And the thing is, y'all, that is not possible for every family. That's not possible for every couple. There's plenty of relationships where it would be too toxic to take that on. But for us, we really committed and we kind of did like a fake it till you make it or an act the way you want to feel. And I think for the first lots of months, I really pushed that very hard for myself. Like, oh, I'm just going to act the way I want to feel and I'm going to be positive and I'm going to reach for joy. And I think that I probably didn't hold boundaries very well for myself in the beginning because all I cared about was the kids. And I think I definitely, like to my own detriment, 
you know, did things or kind of didn't stick up for myself in certain ways because I was just trying to make it okay for everybody else. And I'm, I'm just being super honest. Like I got to a place where I was just like, then anger, like all of a sudden, then I got really angry and I had to really hold boundaries, like really, really hold them. And so I guess my advice is that you just keep checking in with yourself and what you need. And during those first six months, what I needed as a human was to make sure my kids were okay. And so I made choices that I would not have made if I didn't have kids. Like I really made choices that were about what was best for them. And then when I decided that things needed to change, I was really vocal with him about what I felt like was inappropriate and what I needed or expected. And that looked like a lot less interaction for a lot of months because I I feel like I'm in a therapy session, but I really, I so much love for for Dave, I we had these amazing years together. We have this amazing family. I have so much love for him as a human. But I also, and I, I would guess he'd probably say the same thing, like what was healthy was that I also needed a time to process how angry I was. And I really didn't let myself feel that in the beginning. And it hit a point where I thought, man, if I don't process this, I'm not going to be able to co-parent with this man at all. So um, I needed to do a lot more work. And what that boundary looked like for me for a while was that I was unwilling to interact with him in any way that wasn't about the kids. I didn't want to be friendly. I didn't want to, oh, I feel like I'm going to get myself in trouble. But like, I I didn't want him talking about me on social. Um, I didn't want him telling stories or sharing details or wishing me happy birthday because those were things that were really only happening on social. They weren't happening behind the scenes. And I had a lot of anger about sort of acting one way publicly and a different way privately. So yeah, that is, I don't know that that's the same for other people, but for me, I felt like I hit a point where I was allowed to ask for what I wanted, which was a boundary for myself and how how we were going to interact with each other. And that time to be and feel those things was really important. So yeah. I don't know if that helps, but at first it was about the kids and being respectful and being united. That was like the only way that we were united in that time period was like around them. And then when I did have time that I needed more space, I asked for it. And we've slowly, I would say in the last few months, started to feel like it started to feel like a better, it started to feel more friendly. Like it which is hard. Like, I think I, I hit a point, like I let myself feel the anger for a really long time. And then I hit a point where I was just like, I can't be angry anymore. Like, I love this man. He is such an important part of my life. He'll be a part of my life for the rest of my life. And I just can't hold this anger because me holding anger with him, no matter how justified I feel like it is, is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die doesn't, it's not helpful for me. It doesn't help my kids. It's not helpful for him. Like it's just gross. So, and I, I would guess we, we haven't really talked about this a ton, but I would guess that it probably feels really similarly for him. And I will say there's like, I'm so glad that we're in a better place now because 
I'll tell you, like when you have a history this long with someone, it just is like, it would, I think it would be like such a sad thing to lose, you know, that whatever it's going to look like in this new iteration. Like I remember when I started dating again and, you know, he's had his girlfriend for a long time now, but, and I have known about her for a long time and so excited for them and just like want them to have all the best things in the world. But when I started dating, it was such a trip because I had never, you know, Dave was the only person I'd ever gone on a date with. Like I had zero experience. And I finally like told him about this guy and um, he was over, he'd come over for dinner. We were having family dinner. And then he and I were sitting out on the porch. We were talking about like schedules with the kids and stuff. And um, I was like, I'm I'm dating a guy. And he was like, what? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Like, and it was like such a beautiful, like us trying to navigate this thing. And I was like, was there a moment when you started dating that you felt like, oh my, how is this allowed? Like, what did this is so weird? And he was laughing like, yes, it's so crazy dating someone for the first time. And I just really appreciated like the beauty of that moment because he's the only other person that's going to get that the way that I got it. So I guess all of this very long-winded answer to say, I think that all of this is a process. Like, you know, we chose to be fine for the kids. We experienced a lot of anger and pain and hurting each other and all of that. And then now we've come back out to this like more authentic, real place. And I just hope that it continues to grow from here. But it's, yeah, it's a process. And I think if it's grounded in what is best for your kids, that is, that's what, that's what helps. That's what helps you navigate everything else. And just, I guess, from a tactical standpoint, I would say over-communication, over-communication. Um, we share a, a family calendar. So we have real clarity on when the kids are at my house, when they're at his house. And originally when we split up, we had three days and then four days, and then we'd switch. So like I'd have the kids for three days, he'd have them for four days. And then the next week I'd have four, he'd have three. And then at some point he wanted to try like week on week off, which we did. And I hated, hated, hated. It just was so like a week without seeing my kids is just, it's, it's too much. Um, I, I really don't like it, but the kids were really liking it for a minute because they felt like it was easier to transition with like their backpacks and their school stuff on a weekend than a weekday. You guys are getting all kinds of info. You did not need this much detail, but I'm giving it to you. And so for a minute we did that and it just really didn't feel like it was working. And I, I finally was like, hey, I gotta, I want to push back on this a little bit. I, that I really don't, I, I don't like this. I don't, I, the structure feels wrong and feels like it's starting to wear on the kids. Like it's a really long time for them to just go without seeing either one of us, like it just wasn't my favorite. So we talked about it. We figured out a new plan. We transitioned back to something that works better for everybody. Uh, but again, having that foundation where it's about the kids and, and how we can best show up for them is what I think allows us to navigate anything else. It's wild. Post-divorce is wild. When you have kids, like this is crazy. And I haven't met his girlfriend yet, but I'm sure that that's coming. And he hasn't met my boyfriend, but I'm sure that that's coming. And like, it's just all, it's wild. <laughs> it's wild. It's a lot, but we're figuring it out. And I'm wishing you the best as you navigate this with your 
ex-husband and I hope that um, you find a middle ground. But I think just when it comes to those boundaries, just sticking to what you need, sticking to what is going to be healthiest for you, because what's healthiest for you is ultimately what's going to be healthiest for your kids. Okay. Starting out (laughs) light and easy. All right. So that was a question from a listener. Normally I would play the voice memo, but she asked if her voice could be left out of it. So I'll just tell you guys, she was talking about pre-COVID really being like a go-getter, being outgoing, loving her job, being ambitious. And then obviously the world changing so much inside of pandemic and her adjusting to that. And now with the world opening back up, it's like, okay, everything's changing again. And she's feeling some anxiety. She's feeling social anxiety. She's feeling that like, oh my gosh, it's Sunday night and I have to work tomorrow. And what's it going to be like when I have to go back to the office? And so just all of the anxiety surrounding transitioning back to what the world is now. I mean, I guess we shouldn't even say transitioning back because there is no back. We're not going backwards. We're going forwards into this new thing. And I love this question because I was just talking about this with the team at work today. Y'all know me and I am like the queen of like, what is the goal? Where am I going? What's the roadmap? How am I getting there? What's the life I want to live? Like I'm a very intentional person about all of the pieces of my life. And what I'm finding right now, I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I'm finding a weird like... I feel like momentum is this thing that I've never struggled with before. And right now I'm feeling, I'm very motivated. I know what the goals are. I know what I need to get done, but I'm feeling this weird, like stalling out of momentum because it feels like everything keeps stopping and starting. Does that make sense? You guys, I don't know if you're feeling this, but like I was just saying today, We had the time, like the beginning of COVID, where we went into lockdown and we were at home. And at the for a minute, we didn't work because we really didn't know what the heck was going on. But after like 10 days or something, we all had to figure out, at least at my company, we all had to figure out how to have jobs. Like, right? We got laptops, we're working at home. Throughout the pandemic, the thing that has not changed. Now, I know people got furloughed and people got laid off and companies closed. And so business and working and all of that has changed for a lot of people in this time. But for me and maybe for my team here, they were saying the same, that like we've worked. We haven't gone out. We haven't traveled. We haven't hung out with friends, but we've worked. That was something that we figured out how to do inside of a pandemic. It looked different, but we still did it. Now, all of a sudden, the world's opening, and it's weird because the thing we haven't done in pandemic is play. We've worked, but we haven't played. Like, beyond, you know, all the fun stuff that I did with the kids at home, and we started doing puzzles, and we watched a million movies, and we found little things here and there that we could do safely, but we haven't really traveled. We haven't gone out to dinner. We haven't done these things. And now with the world opening back up, there's this like, I don't know if it feels like this to you, but there's almost this like mad rush of like, oh my gosh, I've got to make up for this time. And so I'm like, I'm having wine on like a Tuesday. I'm, what did I just eat right now? I'm just like living every day. Like it's Mardi Gras. <laughs> like, oh, where are we going to go on vacation? Where are we going to try? Like, 
I just feel like there's, we like miss this opportunity or we miss these times to like see our friends or be together or do whatever. And now all of a sudden, now we're going to have time in the office and now we're going to have time. Like for instance, I got invited to go out with some friends this weekend to like a really cool place and do a really cool thing. And I don't know, two months ago, I was like killed for that opportunity. But I found myself like, I kind of want to just not. Like I kind of want to just like be in my pajamas and not go anywhere, which is nuts because that's all I've done. And I find myself almost like same as this caller, sort of feeling like a little bit overwhelmed by like all of the things and all of the people and we're back out, but we're still in masks. And it's it's like, yes. So I guess starting off with the fact that you need to allow yourself to feel however the heck you're going to feel right now. And if that means that you are like, I have been waiting for this vaccination or however you're managing this time period and you got it and you are ready to just go out in the world and live your life, great. Do that. But I also think that if for you it feels like you're not quite ready, and that could be just because you are feeling social anxiety about being around people again, like also allow yourself to feel that. These are massive transitions. We've just trained our body. We've trained our mind essentially to be terrified of groups of people for a year. And now this light switch has been flipped and it's like you're supposed to run back out into the world and be okay with that. And I just don't think that we acclimate quite that quickly. So if you find yourself feeling these feelings, like let yourself process however you need to process. So for me, that looks like probably not going to go out with friends because I just don't want to. I really want to be at home in my pajamas and maybe watch a movie, which is all I've done for a year. So please don't judge me. But then I'm sure there's also going to be a time where I'm really like, yeah, let's go meet people. Let's go hang out. Let's go get back out in the world. I'm just going to let myself feel what I need to feel. And I think, I don't know how it works at your job, uh, but I think most companies now have changed. If you work in an office, which it sounded like from your voicemail, you do. It feels like most companies are going to be so much more open to flex hours and how people get things done. So I can tell you with our team at work, we're doing, we're going back to Tuesdays and Thursdays in the office if you feel comfortable. And I I want to say that everybody on our team who is doing that has been vaccinated. So if you feel comfortable, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays in the office. The other days are virtual. And if for some reason you don't feel comfortable being in the office with all of us, then work virtually. We've proven that we can do it. But we are such a close team and we always have been. So we've just been waiting for this day for over a year. So we're really excited to be together just because we want to be friends with everyone again. But honestly, if a member of my team said like, hey, I'm not ready to be back in the office, nobody would bat an eye at that. So hopefully you have a similar leadership team where you are. And I think you need to just ask for what you need. All right. Next question. Rach, I am in this position in my life where I have a career, but I have no family and I have 
Um, I feel like I have a lot of ambition, but I do feel like I need support. And sometimes a family gives you that direct support that you need instantly when you need it. So without having the family, going to the next step of my life seems to be more of a challenge. And my question to you is, should I focus on moving to that next step in my life as far as a business is concerned in spite of not having that direct connection with a family? Or should I move very slowly, take one step at a time, and start doing small entrepreneurial things that will lead to a bigger product. Now, the issue with doing that is that when you take small steps, you can get halted at any one of them. You can give up hope easier when you take super small steps because you're going to run into discouraging things. And so I always like to go for the big one when I go for something, and I am feeling blocked even to plan it because of this fear of failure. So if you have any insight for me, I would love to hear it, and I am so open to being on your podcast. Okay, so we're going in two completely different directions here, but I actually like it because I think this is a really common thing that a lot of people do when they are feeling blocked, when they're feeling stuck, they start to kind of spin, meaning that you're like, oh, this is the issue. Wait, no, 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 this is the issue. No, wait, it's this. And we sort of see all of the things that aren't working instead of all of the possibility of what might. So let's just break apart the different questions that you ask me, and maybe we can sort of get to a solution that will make you feel like you have some direction. Because I think that is the biggest and most important key whenever we are feeling stuck is, okay, we're in this spot. We're not sure where to go. In the absence of direction, we'll just spin like a top in one place. And so the best thing for you to do is to take steps to move in a direction, even if it's like not the perfect direction at the beginning. So let's start first with the question. You talked about this idea of you have this career, but you don't have a family. And you feel like if you had a family that you would have more of the support that you need as you move through your career. Let's just get real practical with you. First of all, wanting support in your life is not the reason to have a family. Let me just one more time. You wanting to have a family, which I presume means that you want a partner and children, is not like that's not a choice you make because you want personal support in your life. First of all, there are millions of people who can tell you that they have exactly that and they still don't have support. Lots of people listening to this podcast right now probably have a partner who is still not supportive of them, even though that was the intention behind why. So let's just start with why to have a partner or why to have children. I think that you pursue having a partner in life because like that specific reason, you want someone to do life with. 
You want someone that you can move in the direction of your dreams with a partner by your side. And let me just tell you something. This is like so off topic, but so good, you guys, that I did not know that I want to give this advice to you, my friend who called in, and also anybody who's single, this thing that I did not understand because I met my ex-husband when I was 18 years old, a freaking child. I had no idea what I was doing. I had never been on a date before. And honestly, it was beautiful and incredible. And I'm so grateful for all the years that we had together. But my mom, when I was little, she would always tell us that we like, oh, if you if your partner isn't doesn't understand you or doesn't get you or doesn't know like what to get you for Christmas or doesn't like see the things in you that you, whatever, you need to just tell them. You need to communicate with them and you need to tell them like, this is exactly what I want for Christmas or this is what I wish you liked about me or this is blah, 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 blah. And in retrospect, I love my parents, but they had the worst marriage maybe ever. And so I don't know why it took me getting divorced to realize like, I love you, mom, but you are not the person to give advice on a relationship because what that advice gave me as a young woman going into relationship was that like, oh, if your person doesn't get you, you just like keep over communicating how they could get you better. And certainly if you find yourself inside of a relationship, that's one way to pursue. (laughs) But now I am 38 years old. And so for the first time as an adult, I am dating. And I can tell you that when it's the right partner for you, you don't have to explain anything. And I don't mean that in the like romantic comedy, you complete me, like BS garbage that were sold because I don't believe that anybody completes me. I believe that in partnership, you have two whole people who come together and they make like this beautiful thing, but nobody's completing anybody else. But what I can tell you, because you said like you want support and that, you know, like, oh, if if I don't have the support, as you pursue a partner, pursue someone that you don't need to explain yourself to. Meaning like, You don't need to explain the joke because they're already laughing because they have your same sense of humor. And you don't need to explain why that like puppy, you know, chasing the older dog made you cry because they're already crying. Like, I don't know if, if people listening to this will agree, but now having experienced a situation where I'm meeting, I am with someone who is with me at this age, like grown up adult 38-year-old Rachel, that I don't have to like explain is like a game changer, a game changer. And I actually thought this the other day, like not that I would ever have wanted to go through divorce or I'd ever want to have to put my kids through this hard thing or my family through this hard thing, but like I am so freaking grateful that I have this perspective for my kids, when they're older and they start dating people and they are wondering what it looks like to pursue a partnership or why you pursue a partner or what that is, I just feel like I have such a better perspective for them and for you who called in. I think that it's about wanting to be 
in partnership and wanting to do life with someone. But if you are walking into dating with the expectation that you're going to have support in a certain way, I just feel like you're walking into this going, how can this, like, how can someone give to me as opposed to like, what are these gifts and beauty that I offer the world? And what are the gifts and beauty that this human offers the world? And how can we use those gifts and skills and beauty to complement and love each other well? I hope that that made sense. But I just feel like you're allowed to want a partner. You're allowed to want children just because you want that for yourself. It doesn't have to be and, and shouldn't be because you think that it's going to make it better for you to have support as you pursue your goals. So that's one. The second question you asked was about should you make little moves or one big, audacious, bold move in the direction of your dreams? Because you said that when you make the bold move, you know, you're, you jump into the deep end and there's a really good chance that you're going to get some kind of traction that way. Or should you pursue these teeny tiny little moves that make it really easy for you to get off course because you're kind of moving slowly? So I can tell you, and we could take this a bunch of different ways, but I'll just give you the hard and fast rule. The splashy, exciting, sexy thing is the bold move. The thing that actually creates lasting results is usually the tiny, consistent, everyday actions that get you closer to where you want to go, but they do it by inches instead of miles. Here's how I think you combine both. Usually, I will make, I will start a process with a bold move followed by tiny, micro, consistent, every day, seven days a week, intentional choices to get me closer. And my bold move is almost always, for those of you who've been at Rise Conference with me before, you've probably done this exercise. And if you haven't, Rise, well, it's only for women, sorry, bros, uh, but Rise Women's Conference is coming uh, Labor Day weekend in Austin, Texas. And you can find out details, I'm sure, in show notes or whatever. But we do this thing at Rise Conference. There's this page that's split up into two pieces that says we do it on day three, and it's never again from now on. So never again from now on. My bold choice when I make a decision to move in a direction to, let's say, get healthy, to pursue a big goal, always comes down to essentially what am I never going to do again? And what am I promising that I'll do from now on? And it's usually just one thing. Like human beings will do anything in our power to live into the perception of who we believe we are. Let me say that again. You are living out every freaking day, every day of your life as who you perceive yourself to be. Every single decision you're making, every habit that you're falling into, good or bad, whatever it is you're doing is always, always you living up to the standard of who you perceive yourself to be. So 
if I want to make a bold change in my life, if I want to be really all in in a single direction, I will often choose a, a never again kind of thing that just feels like who this new version of me is. And here's an example. And maybe you guys are going to think this is so weird, but just honest, honestly, this is what I did. Years ago, I went to a personal development conference and I like had this goal that I came up with at conference and I really wanted to pursue it. And I just knew that I needed to make a choice that I would leave this conference and like have something that had changed drastically in my life to remind me of the other goal that I was going to pursue. And I don't know why, but I, this was years ago and I'd always wanted to try giving up meat. I love meat. I eat meat now, but for about two years, I didn't eat meat. And it came because I was at this conference and I thought, you know, I've always wanted to try that for health purposes. I want to see if I feel better. So I just, at this conference, I was like, I don't eat meat anymore. It was like my never again, like never again. I don't eat meat anymore. From now on, I'm going to pursue these healthy ways of getting protein. I'm going to be plant-based and see if that makes me feel better. And I tried it for a couple of years and I'm back on meat because I really love meat. That's not the point. The point was I made a decision that was black or white, yes or no, no wiggle room, no sort of, you know, like if I was like, oh, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go on a diet or I'm going to do this or I'm going to, I'm going to exercise every day or I'm going to, the goal that I had set for myself had nothing to do with health, but giving up meat, (laughs) so random, but giving up meat to me was like, that is a bold change. And honestly, your bold change could be like, I'm moving to New York right? That's a yes or no. That's a this or that. That's a black or white. That's a, there's no gray area there. It's something that you are saying, I am doing this in pursuit of this thing that I want to have. And I was working on a professional goal. It had nothing to do with my health, but that was a choice that was just like the first thing I thought of. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So for you, maybe there's a bold choice like that that you can make that every day you're living out that you have made a change. And then it looks like every day while you're living out the change you've made, you are doing at least one thing, one intentional thing that you can pursue that gets you closer to where you want to be. And that's what it is, y'all. Like, man, I wish this wasn't the case. I wish, I freaking wish that it wasn't just about consistency (laughs) and like doing those little things every day, but it just is. It is. Like, I, I wish that it was, we could do it in different ways. I wish we could take three months off and then jump back in. But really, if you wanna see traction, if you wanna see this exponential growth, it's going to look like you just consistency, consistency, consistency. Consistency beats intensity every day of the week. Most people get really intense, get really excited. They go ham, you know, they get their gym membership or they make a bold move or they sign up for 27 different online courses or they do something that's about intensity, but they don't follow it through with the consistency, which is really the only thing that matters. So if you want to see growth and change, then it looks like you finding sort of both of those things. I think it's a bold move followed by those consistent actions that are going to get you there. Having answered that question, I think there's a bigger piece at play here, which is 
when we feel stuck, we start to just process everything, right? We're processing the fact that we're single. We're processing the fact that these goals, do I want to be an entrepreneur? Do I want to follow this career path? Should I move? Should I stay? Childhood trauma. I don't talk to my mom. Like we just start spinning out because in these harder seasons, it's usually easier to obsess than it is to start to take action. But honestly, the only thing that's going to make you feel better is action. I think this a lot with anxiety. You know, I know a lot of a lot of listeners really struggle with anxiety and I've talked a lot about my own struggles with anxiety in the past and oftentimes there is a really there's something very connected between feeling anxious and our fight or flight response. And fight response, your body is literally like responding, your nervous system, like you're like, wow, what's happening? I need to do something. But like, there's nothing. It really helps to take action, sort of feeding the flight response, which is just to move, to move in the direction, to take a step forward. And the way that you do that is to focus in on one thing. And depending on where you are right now, you may have to focus on something that is like a goal for a week from now or a goal for two weeks from now, just something simple that you can do that you can start to feel like you're making traction against. Because in the absence of sort of knowing the whole big picture or what happens next, the most important thing you can do is to stop the obsessive sort of spinning thoughts. And for me, that always looks like, okay, I've got to, I've got to move. I've got to do something. Let's, what's the next right thing that I can do that's going to make me feel better in this moment. And that's going to get me closer to sort of accomplishing the direction that I want to move in. So I hope that that was helpful. I know I sort of covered a lot of topics um, on that one, but it felt like you were going in a few different directions, my friend. And so I just wanted to give you some thoughts there. So I've answered three questions from listeners, and I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you got some, you know, maybe some ideas or just some entertainment out of this conversation. More than anything, y'all, I'm going to put the number for my voicemail in the show notes. And I hope that you will go call in. You can allow us to play your voice like you heard on the show, or you can say like, hey, here's my question, but I don't want my voice played like you also heard on the show, however you want to do it. And I'm going to start doing actual like advice interviews with listeners. So if you would like to be one of those, let us know when you leave your voice memo as well. But I love answering your questions about anything like business or dating or divorce or I mean, I don't feel like I'm an expert in sex, but I, I could give you some. <laughs> I don't want to give you some ideas, but whatever, like whatever you're dealing with, call in and let me know and let's keep this conversation going. If you like today's episode, I hope that you will consider sharing it on social. Take a screenshot, tag me or tell your friends. Or if you know someone who's going through one of the topics you heard today, uh, send this along to them. But thank y'all for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. And until I talk to you next time, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. 
Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is a 3% Chance production.